Phil, that was Ann Glegg, um, professor, academic, uh, practitioner of Buddhism. Uh, very knowledgeable. Uh, certainly covers a lot of areas. Her new book, American Dharma, Yale Press. Uh, you know, I was very impressed. Very good. I'm sure she'll be pleased that you were impressed. Uh, yes, I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, you know, it, it, this discussion we were having with her, I think you started it, in regard to secular and religious Buddhism and mm -hmm. uh, what's going on with that. I'm wondering, and you would be the guy to ask this to, you would be the, the expert on this. In Hinduism, <laughs> okay, uh, yeah. pe people that, okay, we... we taught meditation, TM, other people taught uh, meditation that come, you know, Yogananda's uh, SRF, they teach meditation, and all that comes from uh, Hinduism, and when we always taught it, it was always, hey, look, you don't have to believe anything to do this. Do right. the Hindus react in the same way as many Buddhists did to uh, the techniques associated with their religions uh, being taught in a secular way? In my experience, it's very much uh, parallel to the Buddhist experience. And um, in both cases, you, you're, you're essentially dealing with ancient practices and um, methodologies and, and uh, perspectives that are being translated and adapted to a different time period and a different culture entirely. So um, many uh, Hindus in India and in the West, just like the Buddhists, would say, well, you know, these teachers were smart and, and, and they trained people uh, who are not Hindus and not Europeans in these methods because they're universal and they have applicability to anybody in any lifestyle and any culture at every any time in history and so they were using what's called upaya skillful means to uh, transmit a beneficial teaching and of course other people you know would call it you know people like you and me teaching uh, a traditional form of meditation or now you know young people teaching yoga um, they um, would be offended by that and think it's cultural appropriation so it's probably very similar it, it, it's interesting because I would think in, in Christianity it's the same thing if somebody um, takes you know technologies developed by the desert fathers you know in Christian tradition uh, and uh, started teaching those and leaving the religious part out. Probably some people would be offended. And I, I have another question. Today I was in uh, Boca Raton, Florida with my wife. We were driving and we passed uh, 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 Kabbalah. How do you pronounce it correctly? The Kabbalah. The Kabbalah Center. Big place. So I said, let's stop really? in. We stopped in, chit-chatted with whomever was there. And it seemed to me that uh, it was a fairly secular yeah. setting. I, I didn't sense that I was in, uh, I mean, there were some pictures of some rabbis and all, but it was, it was being presented in, in a fairly secular way. And my guess is uh, some of the friends of mine who are, who are Lubavitch 
you know, who are uh, from the Hasidic tradition, uh, they would not look so well upon this. They, I think they look mm-hmm. at it as secularizing some very profound teachings from their yeah, and and uh, they would they might I don't know, but they might also say these teachings were meant only for certain people, and in the Kabbalah tradition, it might be men of a, only of a certain age and that sort of thing. And it was similar, you know, with the Hindu and Buddhist forms, where you know in India there might have been. Uh, you know, restrictions on who gets access to these things. So part of the uh, transmission to a different culture and, and, and part of the modernization was a kind of democratization. So teachers like, you know, Maharishi and, and Yogananda and all the others were democratizing things. They made these things available to everybody, not just a, a select few. Right. But your, your analogy is a good one because I've heard people complain that uh, Kabbalah, People are offering Kabbalah in, in a secular kind of way to, to anybody, and people complained about it. But, you know, something is useful and a valuable. Right. That, that, you know, that was my, my reaction. My thought was, you know what? There's people benefiting from this. So what? If, if they can benefit from it, they can be better people, lead better lives, great. If at some point they, yeah, connect, go ahead. they connect the dots and go back, oh, this is the actual religious tradition it comes from. This is putting it in that context. Great. But if they don't, they just get feel better about themselves or are nicer to other people as a result of these practices. Uh, why not? My, my feeling is, and I, and I speak about this in, in yoga circles a lot, to me, um, this business of, you know, there's a fine line between a cultural appropriation and a, and a, and a sort of appropriate, to, so to speak, uh, adaptation and it's not always easy to know but to me what really matters in the long run is whether when these teachings are transmitted whether in a secular or spiritual context whether they're being transmitted in an authentic way and not being watered down or corrupted or diluted and that's often can happen in a, when something is secularized. You think you're just, you know, changing something unimportant, but you might be changing something far more uh, important than you realize. And right. and uh, I I think there, you know, we sh- should maintain the integrity of the of these methods. Right. What was was uh, Yogananda uh, criticized by the religious right in India. Uh, what we well, I wouldn't call it the religious right. I wouldn't. I don't think anything like that existed at that well, time. No, but he was. He was criticized by traditionalists. Yeah, but in, in India, don't you have uh, Hindu nationalists that? Uh, yeah, but that didn't exist in Yogananda's okay. time. But more, more than that, it was people who felt you know these things have. A traditional context, and you shouldn't mess with that. So, for example, when he put some of his teachings in writing and created a correspondence course, um, you know, that hadn't been done before. Mm-hmm. But if he hadn't done it, there'd be millions of people who didn't have access to it. Right. So he made his choice, and he did it carefully, and he did it, you know, with... Uh, you know, very, being very mindful of their, you know, what to... What to put in that form and what not to. Right. Well, it, 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 uh, the discussion will continue. The other thing she brought up is when uh, 
uh, about uh, when we think of Buddhists, we think of you know white Buddhists that you call them yeah. Americans, and not thinking you know of uh, those who actually brought Buddhism to America, and uh, you know are from those places where it yeah. uh, all began. It's interesting because, you know, she's right. I mean, you know, she's an expert and I I would highly recommend her book to people who are concerned about or interested in, you know, Buddhism in its many forms in in America. But um, we forget sometimes because, you know, we talk about... uh, all the you know uh, the, the manifestations in in Zen and Vipassana and all that, but you know in in immigrant communities, you know people from uh, Burma and and Thailand and Japan and China who you know have their Buddhist temples and you know in in uh, sections of major cities where they live. That you know, it's a more traditional form of Buddhism, similar you know to the uh, Indian immigrants who have come and you know started uh, building Hindu temples. It's not you know they're different from a yoga studio or a meditation center. So you know, it's just the the variety that these um, traditions take. Is extraordinary, but I think you know we ought to recognize that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the last point that uh, you touched upon, with her, we all discussed, uh, had to do uh, with her research and writing in regard to uh, inappropriate behavior uh, <laughs> within. Yeah. Specifically focused on Zen community, did she not? Well, she she mentioned that, but it, it has it's not confined to that. Yeah, she did throughout she the world of spirituality. Yeah. yeah, no, it's you know there have been Buddhist teachers who you know have been caught with their robes down, and um, some were some were uh, Asian, and some uh, in recent times uh, Americans, you know, who represent the Dharma and. Um, misbehave just as yoga teachers have and gurus have it's a big problem and it's a i know it's it's gotten i brought it up because there's a lot going on with respect to that lately mm-hmm. some ca- cases you, that you, arisen and it's also something that you discuss in american veda yeah well in the in the context of the gurus mainly of the, of the 70s you know so more, more, more on that in later shows, perhaps. But uh, yeah. she was, uh, she was terrific. I mean, she's extremely knowledgeable. If you look her up, well, her book *American Dharma* that just came out, Yale Press, and then if you uh, 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 Google her name, many, many, many articles uh, she's written, and uh, she continues to write. So it was great having yep. her on the show. Good. I was happy we were able to do it. Many, many more good shows coming up, we hope. Keep us on the air. That's, uh... What's that? I said, many more shows to come. And I'm asking our listeners to help keep us on the air. Yes, please. Tell us how to monetize and recommend uh, people to have on the show. Great. And yet, we, we get a lot of emails from folks that make recommendations and we either think, okay, this wouldn't be appropriate to the show or this will be appropriate, or we 
we we do uh, follow up on everything. So yeah, if, if, if there's a time lag, forgive us, but we we'll, we'll uh, keep up with things in time. Okay. Till next time. Okay, Dennis. Right, over and out. Over.